0: Good morning. Won't you pray with me as we prepare our hearts and minds to hear a word from the Lord? Jesus, the light of the world, we ask now that you would shine brightly in and through us this day. And it is in your name that we pray. Amen. On this first Sunday after Christmas, I would like us to focus our minds and hearts in on the topic and theme. It's a time to shine. Perhaps on this first Sunday after Christmas, only two days after we celebrated the reason for the season, the entrance of the light of the world, it seems strange to talk about darkness. But I ask you to bear with me. In the midst of the many Christmas lights that many of us untangled and hung, the twinkling ornaments, the lights which symbolize the entrance of our King of Kings and our Lord of Lords, Mary's baby, Jesus the light of the world, let's first explore the context in which Jesus entered the world. In order to fully realize the radiant impact of Christ's light and Christ's presence, we must first bear and push and persist through the darkness, for Christ was born Christmas morning into the darkness. Literally, we know that Christ was not born in a well-lit hospital room or even the well-sanitized, safe comfort of a home, but into the dank, dark smelly space of a lowly manger. Christ was born into a dark time. The 400-year time period between the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, and the appearance of John the Baptist is known as the intertestamental period, a period of time also known as the 400 silent years where no new prophets were raised or spoken, where God revealed Nothing new to God's people. The people didn't hear a mumbling word from God. It was a period of darkness, a period of groping around and wondering where God was and straining for a glimmer of hope. Jesus was born into this time of spiritual darkness. Jesus was also born into a time of political darkness. The Gospel of Luke chapter 2 tells us that the census was taken up by Caesar Augustus. The Jewish people, including Mary and Joseph, were under the oppressive rule of Rome and at the mercy of the jealous and paranoid King Herod, who was out to keep this newborn son from competing with his crown. Jesus was also born into a familial and reputational darkness. He was born to an unmarried virgin we might celebrate this virgin birth today but it was a source of doubt of ridicule and disdain the gospel of Matthew says that even Joseph silently considered divorce before an angel appeared to him to convince him otherwise and Jesus was born into a family that didn't even appear to have the means or the leverage to find a room in the inn. He was born displaced. He was born to refugees. He was born in the margins of a manger. This darkness that Jesus was born into was not unlike the darkness that many of us may feel even now in this Christmas season, in the midst of COVID-19, and in the midst of all of the uncertainty that it has ushered forth in the lives of so many of us, the many disparities that it has amplified in our city and our country. Many are in the midst of darkness, perhaps experiencing the grief from losing a loved one, the stress of a job loss, the stress of nonstop work, the stress of economic insecurity, the drain and exhaustion of this very divisive political season and all of the other trappings that come along with the holiday season, the stress and the strain of it all, leading many into darkness, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. If you find yourself in a dark place today, this word is for you. I've come to let you know that you are not alone in the darkness. We can find examples of this political, spiritual, and personal darkness throughout the testimony of the people of God. Throughout the biblical text, it seems as though God has done some of God's most transformational work in the dark. This darkness that many are experiencing now or The darkness on the eve of the birth of Christ is not unlike the darkness experienced by previous generations of the Jewish people. The darkness of slavery, the darkness of exile, not once, but more than once for generations. It is into this darkness that the prophet Isaiah in our Old Testament text today speaks. He proclaims in Isaiah 60, Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. This is Isaiah's poetic Prophecy to the Jews in Jerusalem about 580 BCE who had been in exile in Iraq for a couple of generations and had come back to the bombed out city of Jerusalem. They were in despair. Their lives had been changed, had been turned upside down, and no one knew what to do. The Jewish people that he's Speaking to had experienced such great loss and pain and death during their captivity. Imagine the dreams that had died. Imagine the hopes that were dashed. Imagine even their sense of God shaken. Imagine the whys that they asked and the desires that they had to curb and get up on, give up on. Imagine the impact on their esteem, their confidence, their faith. Imagine the darkness. Old Testament scholar Walter Brueggemann says that in the middle of the mess, an amazing poet, Isaiah, invites his depressed, discouraged contemporaries to look up to hope and to expect everything to change. Rise, shine, for your light has come. These words, this prophecy from Isaiah... Harkens back to Isaiah's messianic prophecy in its earlier chapter nine, where he says the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness on them, the light has shined for a child has been born for us, a son given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders and he is named wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. These words of Isaiah in chapter 9 and chapter 60 of the prophetic book bridge between the old and the new covenants. In this 60th chapter of Isaiah, Isaiah's prophecy is not only pointing to God as the actor, but here is the hook for us on this season of Christmas. He also points with his charge in this prophecy to us. In order to see the prophecy of Christ come to pass, we must also act and act like Christ, act like this light. Isaiah charges us to arise, to get up, to not give up because your story is not over. I know it's dark, but this is not the end of your story. We must arise like Christ the shepherds, and go and see, go and encounter Jesus, the light of the world. My faith, our faith, tells us that all things work together for good for them that love God and are called according to God's purpose. That faith tells us that even in the darkness, God is up to something. So we must arise and stop cowering and stop hiding. Arise for the God that we serve is working some things out even now. We often think of the darkness as bad and scary, but it is in the darkness that preparation occurs. In the darkness, refine your skill sets, read and study your craft, for you are being prepared for the light. It is in the darkness that building is done Creation occurs. The book of Genesis says that in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth even in the darkness. For it is not until after the heavens and the earth are created that the Lord says, let there be light. In the darkness, potential transforms into purpose. For don't you know that a seed only germinates in the dark and it is only... When the seed is in permanent darkness that the dark form of the phytochrome is active for long enough to trigger germination. In the dark soil, the seed breaks open and it begins its transformation from something so minute and small to a blossom that far outsizes its beginning. Don't be afraid of the dark. Utilize the dark moment for your preparation, for your building, For your purpose, arise and see that God is still working. Don't get weary in well-doing, but continue to push and press and persist. Arise, cries Isaiah, through generation after generation to encourage our hearts even in the dark. And he doesn't stop with that. He goes forth to say, shine. How do we shine? When all around us has been broken, when despair continues to knock on the door of our minds, when darkness surrounds, well, on this Sunday after Christmas, we're reminded that the light has come. Have we perceived it? Jesus came as a light in the darkness and the gospel tells us that that light came and shone in the darkness and the darkness overcame it not we must radiate the light of god emit the beam of god's light god's ultimate desire to to connect with us to be in communion with us is through god's willingness to take on the form of human flesh be born of a virgin named Mary and join us on the earth. This birth and communion wells on the inside and pushes us forward to radiate and fan into flame all that God has placed within us. Walk in the light, beautiful light. Come where the dewdrops of mercy shine bright. Shine all around us by day. And by night, Jesus, the light of the world. Not only must we radiate God's light and Jesus' light, but we must also, in communion with God, reflect God's shine. So many of us shun the light of God. We shun whom God has created us to be. We cower rather than shine, but as Marion Williamson says, in a return to love, you are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. We must stop hiding and Even in scary moments, we have been given the light to reflect and to radiate. The world is waiting on the sons and the daughters of God to shine. The world is waiting for the work of Christmas to begin. Howard Thurman says, when the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone... When the kings and the princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flocks, the work of Christmas begins to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner and rebuild the nations, to bring peace among the the people and to make music in the heart. Arise, shine, and finally give God the glory. When we give God the glory, we glorify God who doesn't only sit high in the heavens, but who looks low and takes upon us, takes upon him all of our pain and, and, and despair and, and ridicule, places it upon himself and, and walks forth and gives us a life that is more abundant because of witness, because of presence. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. This light of the world doesn't beam so high that it doesn't shone on us. We give God the glory, the one who brings light into the midst of our darkness when we live fully into whom God has created us to be. We give God the glory when we acknowledge our pain and despair, but we look up nonetheless, remembering that our God is bigger than our problems, that our God is more radiant than our darkness, for nothing will be impossible with God. This radiant God can give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. This great God can heal our bodies when the doctors have given up. This great God can win a case in the courtroom when all the evidence seems to go against us. This great God can heal a marriage when all appears to have been torn apart. This great God can restore your life and raise even you from the dead. This great God is real. This God is loving. This God we serve wants to bless us, shine, light upon our dark places. Our God reaches into our darkness and reminds us through this season of Christmas who we are and whose we are. Because the light of the world has come. We too can arise, shine, and give God glory.